Good morning, Emmanuel. How many love Jesus today? You love him? Woo! How many get triggered when you hear that alarm on that bumper that is played? It's like, ooh, PTSD. That's how I wake up kind of thing. I know that uh, there's so many great things going on this summer, but uh, as we move into the better weather, in my mind, some of you like winter better, but for me, this is like the best time of year. I caught myself this week walking and going, I love Minnesota. And uh, I haven't said that for about six months, so it's really cool <laughs> to say that. And I uh, want to welcome all of you that are gathering together, whether you're in Spring Lake Park, Maple Grove, Elk River, Lakeville, or you're joining online while you're fishing this morning. Glad that we can gather together as a church family. Hey, today, as we move into uh, the next part of our series, which is As in Heaven, the title of my message is Deliver Me. Everybody say, Deliver Me. Um, as I jump into it, I want to go back a couple weeks, and Jody had mentioned something la last week on Mother's Day, that we were in Israel recently, and uh, I, it was the first time I've ever been to Israel, and it was an incredible experience. It was a lifetime bucket list trip for me, and for somebody who has studied the Word, and uh, this has been the pursuit of my life, uh, it was so fun to go there and uh, be with a group of people from Emmanuel. We got to travel together, see all the sites, walk the places that Jesus walked in the city of David in Jerusalem. Um, people ask me, what was your favorite thing? And I said, everything. <laughs> like everything was amazing. And if you get an opportunity to go to Israel someday, it just makes the Bible come alive. And, uh, you know, there's one part of the Bible that is still in existence, intangible, and that's the land. So everyone else has gone on and been with Jesus, but the land is still there. The place where God, when Jesus walked and talked, and it was just a powerful experience. But on the very last day, we went to visit the Western Wall. And as we were at the Western Wall, uh, there's people praying at that wall. And uh, I've got a picture, actually the one that's over my shoulder right now, is me and a couple of my brothers uh, were praying. And uh, Darnell Baker and Dave Erickson, and we're all praying together. And one of the things that you can do is you can write out your prayer on a little piece of paper and stick it in the wall. And so I had put on my piece of paper a whole bunch of things. One of them was my family, and I prayed for my wife and my, my sons and some specific things that I'm dreaming for them. I prayed for you as a church. I prayed God that, that God would do things in you, and then I prayed for other things. And I, th the thing that surprised me is I had my hands against that wall. And of course, this is the Temple Mount. It's not even the temple itself. It's the foundation, if you will, of where the temple was. I thought of all of the history of prayers, all the way from the Old Testament through the New Testament. This is a week in my devotions. I was hearing about Jesus being in the temple courts and communicating to people. And, and I thought about the history of Christianity and the history of God's relationship with humanity. And as I prayed, it was as if I was tapping into eternal things. And uh, I began to pray, and I started weeping, and there was crying, and I was just, uh, not from uh, pain or sadness, but as much as I was overwhelmed because this was what I was meant to be doing. You know, the, at the core of it, you know, we were created for relationship with God. That literally, that's what we were to dialogue with God. You know, a wreck that was sin. But through prayer, we can be reconnected to God, and that's what was happening to me at that moment. And that's my prayer for you, every person under the sound of my voice, 
that you, not that you would have to go to the Western Wall, put your hands, how many know God hears your prayer from anywhere on the planet? But that you would have that connection to God at a level that it deeply touches every part of who you are. And that you would have the freedom to talk to God about everything going on in your life. That's really the goal of this whole series, as in heaven. Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He gave them a model prayer, not a formula, but a pattern. And when he gave that pattern, he was challenging those that would follow, including us, to pray in a certain way. In Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 9, it says, This then is how you should pray. Say this out loud with me. You ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen? Now Jesus was giving us patterns or algorithms of prayer. And in the previous weeks, and you catch up on on the Emmanuel MN app or on our website to the previous messages, but we looked at the algorithms or the, the keys to prayer that Jesus was giving within his prayer. We talked about the person, our Father, the power in heaven, the praise, hallowed be your name, the possession, the your kingdom come, the purpose, your will be done, the palace on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about provision, give us today our daily bread. And then two weeks ago, we talked about Pardon, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Today we're going to look at a very timely algorithm in Jesus' prayer. Jesus' algorithm of prayer number nine is postage. Postage. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He says, lead us. Lead us. We as disciples follow a leader. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. We're his sheep following the shepherd. And as we pray, we begin our day with not, Lord bless what I've already got planned, but we say, what's your will? Lead me wherever you want me to go today. I've got a plan, but you direct my steps. You take me where you want to go. It's a huge prayer principle to pray, lead me. And I want to challenge you, no matter what your stage of following Jesus is, perhaps you've been walking with Jesus for many years, or kind of you're in that stage where you're like, I'm not sure if I want to follow him, and I'm just beginning that part of the story. I want to challenge everyone at every level, every age category, to pause and remember you're to be following Jesus today. Not following the American dream, not following what they tell you to do in your portfolio for finances, not just following the industry that you're in career-wise, doing the best practices. Those are all good tools, but at the end of the day, we all need to be following Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And it's a good reminder for us that sometimes we even begin to follow ourselves, because if we're not following Jesus, we're following something. And sometimes it's our own desires, our own wants. And how many know those don't always lead to good places? So why not get ahead of the curve and go, wait, 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 let me back the bus up. 
I'm feeling what I'm feeling, the frustration I have, the confusion I have, the, the difficulty, the pain, the way of the transgressor is hard. The one that doesn't follow Jesus. So Lord, wherever I'm at, I want to turn this ship around. I want to right the ship. I want to right size what's going on. And I want to be following you. If the father's not your leader, who is? A leader with no one following them is just out for a walk. I hope that we're following Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? Now he says, lead us. Not just lead me, but he says, lead us. And prayer means declaring to God that you want to have everyone connected to you following the leader. Not just you, but you want everyone connected to you. Lead us. Us could mean family. That could mean your spouse. You're praying that way. In your marriage, you might be thinking about your kids. Lord, may my kids begin to follow you or your grandkids or your cousins, that kind of thing. Your family, you know, different levels of connection that we have in our family. But when you pray, you're not just praying for yourself, but you're asking the Lord to begin to lead the family. Uh, I was thinking about this this week because I know that there are new challenges for the next generation of parents. If you're raising kids right now and they're little ones or they're middle school or high school, Hey, I want you to know I have my utmost respect for you. The challenges that, that parents today are facing is unbelievable. And, uh, and I was thinking about what are the things that you need to think about in your prayer? How do you pray as a parent? And uh, I just want to suggest one uh, resource. It's called Praying Circles Around Your Children. It's an easy little short book you can read in about an hour. <laughs> it's real short by Mark Batterson, uh, the same guy that wrote The Circle Maker. And you can look it up and you can get it on Amazon. You can do it on a Kindle. You can do whatever you want. But one of the things that he says, his main quote that he has in there is, you'll never be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. Come on, somebody. You may never be a perfect parent because there aren't such a thing, but you can be a praying parent. And I just want to challenge you parents to be praying. Lead us. You can pray the same kind of things for your friends. A group of friends that you're connected to, your coworkers, your classmates, your fellowship of the sideline at sporting events for your kids. <laughs> Let me know what I'm talking about with that. You get to know families. We can pray, lead us as a church, as Team Emmanuel and our various ministries that we're in. Our elders can do that. Our pastors, youth ministry and kids ministry. Lord, lead Emmanuel. We don't want 10 years ago's instructions. We want you to lead us now. We want you to lead our business. We want you to lead our department that you work in or the company that you're in. Lord, lead us. And you can make that a part of your prayer life. How about our neighborhoods and what's going on in our communities, our city and our state? Lord, lead us. And when we see that some, someone else, another force is leading, we can pray, Lord, your kingdom is greater than that kingdom. We can actually do spiritual warfare in that dimension, but let's not just stand back as if we have nothing that we can do. We can pray, amen? We can pray, lead us. And he says, not into temptation. Not, lead us not into temptation. Jesus is saying, when you pray, I know you're going to lead me or us today, and when you do, keep us from the hot spots. There are some landmines ahead. Would you help me navigate around those? Would you help me prevent, be prevented from going on top of the things that I know that would hurt me? 
This is the foundation for all the tools you need to beat temptation. So how many of you have ever been tempted? Let me see your hand. <laughs> and if you don't have your hand up, you're a liar. That's the facts. I didn't say about what, I just attempted. We've all been tempted with different things, right? But if you want to battle it, the starting point is not willpower. The starting point is prayer. It's taking that area to God. You can't play Superman or Superwoman and tough it out until you have to call on God to get, get you out of the problem. What if you started ahead of the problem, ahead of the temptation? It's starting the day off saying, as, as you get ready to pray, you look back and you think about the things you didn't do well yesterday or years past. And you can feel grieved and aware that on this morning, oh no, I don't want to fall into the same things I did yesterday. We know that the temptations may be waiting for us during the day at school or at work or at home, so we have to pray first. And so we say, God, like a sheep follows his shepherd, I want to follow you. I don't know what's going to happen, but you do. So keep me away from the stuff I'm weak against. Lead me. Lead me. I want to go down the path you want me to go. Where does temptation come from? Uh, it comes from both the inside and the outside. In James chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. I want to be very clear today. Temptation is not sin. Just because you were tempted doesn't mean that you've sinned. But if it's not dealt with, it becomes sin. Why not talk to Jesus about your temptations? Because he understands them. Listen to Hebrews 2, verse 18. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Did you know that Jesus wants to help you? You're like, well, Pastor Nate, you don't understand what I'm tempted to do. It doesn't matter what it is. Why not talk to Jesus about it? Maybe you got an anger problem against somebody close to you in your life. And you can't overcome it yourself. Why not talk to Jesus about it? I'm going to say this to people that may be underneath the throes of addiction today. Maybe you're addicted to pornography or you're addicted to alcohol or sex or you're addicted to shopping. It's a very real thing, by the way. Or gambling, really close to shopping. <laughs> All of that. Maybe you're addicted. Why not talk to Jesus about it today? Well, I tried to talk to him about it years ago, but have you talked to him since? Or is your frustration so high that you simply don't even bring? That's a category of your life you don't bring to the Lord. I know people in our church, hundreds of people, that Jesus, they talk to Jesus, and he's led them out of their addiction. It's powerful. And leading, by the way, isn't always a miracle in one moment. Sometimes it's turning it over to him, and then he sends you the next step, and then you're confronted with a decision. Are you going to go this way, or are you going to go this way? Are you going to go back to doing what's controlling you, or are you going to yield this over to the Lord? Don't yield to the sin. Don't yield to the temptation. Give it to Jesus. 
and then begin to follow him. See, you have a purpose, and God designed you for good things. And the enemy works to intimidate you and to get, keep you quiet. You see, the enemy is on the outside. This is why I say temptation comes from the inside and the outside. The enemy goes after us to get us to quit or to stop or to compromise. And he knows if he can stop you from your purpose then he can get at God. And ultimately, the enemy is mad at God. And he wants to go after you because you, have, you can have a relationship with God that the enemy can't. You can be close and have intimacy with God in a way that the enemy never will. And God designed you for good things. And so the enemy gets you into a place where he wants to ask you questions. Like, did God really say you remember in the garden when, when the, the enemy tempted, the serpent tempted Adam and Eve? The whole goal, it wasn't about the fruit. And I love in the, in the scripture, it doesn't tell you it's what the fruit is. Some of us think it's an apple. That's not what it said. Because all of us have different appetites. Some of you like coffee and some of you don't. How many are coffee people? I'm coffee and Holy Spirit right there, Okay. <laughs> We all have different temptations. We have different appetites, if you will. And the enemy would love to get us to say, well, did God really say that? And that's going on in a big way in our culture right now, challenging what God said. And ultimately, when we stop trusting God, we begin to trust something else. Parents, you have a responsibility to train your kids. Proverbs 22, 6 Direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. Direct your children onto the right path. This is your job. It's not the school's job. It's not the government's job. And it's not the media's job. And if you leave the training up to some other force, your kids won't take the right path. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, I'm speaking in a whole bunch of levels right now because I'm just telling you this. Since the cell phone and the internet got connected and then social media came into play, the enemy is going after the next generation. And the parents don't even know it. So I'm speaking to you parents right now. Yes, you parents that have two and three-year-olds. And your kid already knows how to do FaceTime. They also know how to flip through reels on Instagram. And the enemy knows how to use those same reels on TikTok for middle schoolers to get confused about their identity. Dropping seeds of anxiety, pain and worry, and all these words that previous generations didn't even know anything about. And meanwhile, the enemy is, is, is throwing the fruit in front of our kids. And I'm just going to say, parents, it's your responsibility to step in. And don't let the enemy shame you into th thinking that you just need to let your kids do whatever they want. Absolutely not. You train them up in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. I don't care what the science is trying to say, because it's not science anymore. 
not based on science anymore. There's pressures about sexual identity and other things that no kid that's seven years old has any right to make a decision for themselves yet. No kid does. We have the responsibility. And by the way, parents, I love Emmanuel kids. I love what God is doing in Emmanuel kids. I love how he is speaking to the next generation. But don't leave the spiritual development of your children up to one hour on Sunday morning at church. You got to develop your own altar at home. You train your kids. Eight hours on a cell phone during the week and watching YouTube far outweighs what we can do in a half an hour of teaching on Sunday morning. It's your responsibility. I'm about to preach up on you now. It's our responsibility. There is evil in our land that is going after the next generation. The power of darkness that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. The identity of family, the identity of the individual, the relationship with God. And the story of Israel is one with enemies that serve false gods all around it. So if you think that, that the, the Old Testament is irrelevant to today, it's not irrelevant. Because in reality, what Israel encountered with the people that were serving other gods and the gods' expectations is the same as what we deal with. In Judges chapter 6, God disciplined Israel, allowing a group of people called the Midianites to take over Israel. You see, Israel is an agricultural land. And they, it was beautiful. And when we traveled there, we couldn't believe how much agriculture was there. And yet, in the valleys where the, the green development is and fruits and, and vegetation was there, when they would build it up, the Midianites would come in and they would raid the Israelites' product. And so Israel then abandoned the valleys and hid in the hills, hiding out in places. And in Judges chapter 6, there was a guy named Gideon who was hiding out in the bottom of a wine press, thrashing wheat. He was trying to stay under the radar, not get the attention. He was intimidated by the Midianites. The, the overall group of people of Israel, their confidence and their identity and who Israel was as servants of God had been vacuumed out. They were intimidated. And this is what evil does. It works to silence believers and intimidate them into hiding. Now listen to me very carefully. I am not saying that we are to become bold finger pointers at the world around us. I am not saying that we're to point the sin out of everything else around us. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm also saying we need to not be silent about righteousness in our own house. We need to not be hiding out ashamed of what we believe in just because it's socially unacceptable anymore. Absolutely not. This word is the power of God unto salvation. This word matters. If I haven't done it in a while, I'll say it again. You need to get yourself a paper Bible because there's digital reformation going on. It's very possible that they will change the very words of God online, but paper is not going to change. Get yourself a paper Bible. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The temptation is out there to cause us to cower, to quit. But I say this, parents, train your kids God's way no matter how much Baal tries to shame you. You know what's best for you. And by the way, the God of Baal in those days was the God of weather and fertility. The weather meaning causing the, the fertility of the land. But there also was an, a sexual reproduction aspect of it where they demanded a particular type of worship. And I think the spirit of Baal is coming upon America. The God of weather and climate controlling decisions. I think there's a reproductive aspect of that where you're to mutilate your body in order to please something. And we need to not bow to this bold, strong, lowercase g God. And remember who we are. We are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Jesus continues, but deliver us from the evil one. I don't want to hang out on darkness enough to say when those darknesses, darkness comes in and temptation comes in. He says, but everybody said, but anytime you see a, but there, and that's not B U T T it's B U T. It means an alternative or instead, instead of darkness taking over you, deliver us. Set us free. Save us. Don't keep me there. I want out. It's a, it's a box. I, get, I brought a box with me. How many of you get one of these at your doorstep? Uh-huh. And uh, you get all kinds of boxes. And on the box, there's a label. And on that label, there's an address. There's a to and there's a from. You know where you are right now. Perhaps you're overwhelmed with what you're going through. Perhaps it seems too much. And so you put on there, this is where I'm shipping it from. But then you say, get me out of here. <laughs> Take me out of this kind of space. Give me the mindset of Christ. Give me the capacity to make it through our days. Take my family that seems like the enemy is ravaging. And Lord, would you work on them? And by the way, there are times and seasons where it can seem like in the natural, everything is out of control. You trained your kids the way you wanted to and it was the right way according to the word and then they choose to do their own thing. And there are moments when it's no longer underneath your control. Don't think that the enemy is going to win. You can still play, pray for deliverance even if your kid is on the other side of the world. You can pray. Deliver them. Get them out of that. Get them out of that space that they're in. The devil cannot intervene because we have a direct connection to God that the enemy can't stop. The only thing the enemy can stop us from doing is praying. He's trying to get you to stop praying. But if there's hope that you'll get them out, they'll get out. And have long haul, long game perspective in your prayers. 
Don't just pray for a week and say, get them out. Nothing happened and stop praying. You need to be ready to pray for years for the people in your life. Relentlessly pounding and believing. And when your prodigal son or daughter turns it around and they wake up and it's five years from now and they decide I'm going to get right with God and they come back to church, they better find you in church. They better find you. You didn't give up. They need to know that it's the real thing. They need to see it in you. Can I get an amen to that? The postage is paid. Pick it up, Lord. Jesus literally tells us to pray, get us out of here. Deliver us. There's a prison break. And then he shows us how in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is what? Faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You can endure. Real deliverance is going to take time. But he's going to help you find a way through. I don't know how he does it, but when you stay connected, he walks you through the fire and you won't be burned. Through the waters and you won't drown. And sometimes we need deliverance from the things out there. And sometimes we need deliverance from the things in here. When you come to faith, there's a process of change. Yes, you're made a new creation immediately. Jesus accepts you, wipes the sin out of your life. You are saved by his grace. But how many know your mind is still in the process of being scrubbed? And sometimes we need to say, I'm not out of it yet, Lord. Keep scrubbing. Keep moving. Keep delivering me. Show me how. Give me different options than the one that I used to go to. Help me to go eat in a different place. Hang with different friends. I'm about, no, sometimes friends are the, the problem. They keep taking you around the thing that's your addiction. So maybe you need to get out of there. I've always said that friends are like elevators. They can take you up or they can take you down. Sometimes you need to get out of their elevator. Come on, somebody. <laughs> to have deliverance requires cooperation with God's ways. You can't hold on to old things and get delivered. You can't hold on to the witchcraft that you used to be involved in and get delivered. You've got to renounce the witchcraft. I'm not owned by that anymore. Don't let that in. You can't hold on to the old things that you used to go to, the relationships, the other lowercase g gods. Don't keep going to astrology and other things for your sources of inspiration. Go to God's word. Rely on his spirit. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the word today is really strong. I feel like God is saying to you and to me, don't be intimidated. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't be intimidated. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and self-discipline. If we pray the way Jesus is calling us to pray, then we will be who he's called us to be. I've used this illustration before, but when I was in high school, my junior year of high school, we were the number one football team in the state of Michigan all year long. 
And then we hit the last game of the year, and it was at a town called Traverse City. And in Traverse City, Michigan, the whole county was into one school. They had 4,500 students. And they were a traditional power, and they had, I don't know what they put, like HGH, human growth hormone, in the veins of these guys, but they had giants in the land. They were all Goliaths. So we were confident all year long, and then we drove two and a half hours north, and it was already, had already snowed, and we get there, and while we're there, we're, we're driving around, and you could just feel we weren't as loud anymore. It was quiet on the bus. And then we pulled up to the field, and, and uh, they had snow already, had been piled up, much like we do at the end of the winter in Minnesota, all the way to the bottom of the stands. And so it felt like the environment was like we had walked into a different universe. And uh, we were no longer the kings. And we got through our warm-ups and the crowds, the stands filled, and there were 7,500 people there. And, and the whole crowd is just going crazy. And that first half, um, we did not play like we could play. We were half a version of ourselves. We were with, us without a Snickers bar, right? And I remember I was the starting right guard, and I got in my stance, and I got down, and, uh, and I put my hand down, and I looked up, and the guy across from me had a full beard. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> we got our butt kicked in the first half. And we got into the locker room, and our coach was not a Christian. <laughs> and the words he weren't used were not Christian words. And he started going off on us. You need to get over that. Play like I know you can play. Be who God has designed you to be. That second half, we went out and won the game. And it was awesome. It was fun. My point is this. I think sometimes in the church, we're playing like I played in the first half. In our prayer life, how we think about our kids, how we think about the world around us. When God is saying, hey, listen, you talk to me about it. I'm going to help you with all this stuff. And then you can be confident to be the people of God that you're called to be. And then you can say to the darkness in the name of Jesus, get off my family. You can say it with confidence when you know that Jesus is in your story. You're called to be who he's called you to be. you got to step into it. Today, we need to pray for the next generation. It was my burden this week to pray because I feel like the next generation, parents that are raising kids, toddlers and elementary, middle and high school, I just believe you're facing darkness. The enemy's going after parents, trying to shame you into believing something different. Did God really say that? No, he said it. And I just believe God's calling you to step up and be the parent that God has called you to be. Whether you're a single parent in the home or you've got two parents together as a team, as a church, we're going to surround you in prayer. We're going to pray for the next generation. Those of you that are, are kids in the house, under, or even a little bit older, up to 30 years old, because young adults have been barraged with things. We're going to pray that God would help you. Just like in the story of Gideon, God is going to use you to win the battle. You have to read the rest of Judges 6 seven to understand what I'm saying with that. We're going to pray for power and love and self-discipline. 
I want to call parents. In fact, I want everybody to stand up. Everybody in each of our locations, whether you're in Lakeville or Maple Grove, Elk River, Spring Lake Park. We're going to pray today for parents and anyone working with the next generation. Baal is trying to shame you, to silence you. But you're not going to give in to that. You're not going to hide in the hills any longer. And just like Gideon, we need to make sure we smash altars to other gods and serve only Yahweh. I'm going to ask that parents and anyone under the age of 30 to step into the aisle in each of our locations. Just step out into the aisle closest to you. We're going to pray for those in the aisles today. Parents and anyone under the age of 30. Yes, I know that doesn't include me anymore. <laughs> so all of you that are in my category, I'm sorry, you're not there. You have a responsibility to pray. I want to just say it to you. You are important to God and you have a responsibility for the generation underneath you and the generation you're in. Young adults, teenagers, don't give in to the spirit of the age. You can stay strong. You can follow Jesus. Don't believe the lie that says that this word is old and archaic and patriarchal, that somehow it's not trustworthy. Because listen, you follow the lie and you will be left alone in the darkness. You follow the truth and he will lead you in the light. Follow it. Parents, I know it's tough, but it's not impossible. You might not be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. And I'm believing that God is going to help you in this generation. So we're going to pray for you as a church. And when I'm done, in each of our locations, we're going to sing and our pastors in each location are going to lead. But I just want to challenge you, church, let's be a praying people. Let's be a people that follow what Jesus said. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And for whatever's underneath you on that us, Whatever you're thinking about is those people that you're concerned about are connected to you. I challenge you to lift it to the Lord right now. Everybody, lift your hands to Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we come before you right now. And we thank you, Lord, that you know us and that you placed us in this world because, Lord, you believe in the purposes that you planted in us. There are no mistakes under the sound of my voice. Every person is not just a human being. They're a human being meant with, to, to receive the mission of God and to live out the design of God in the future. And so I pray, oh God, whatever's happened up until now, that Lord, every lie, every detour, every mistake, everything in our past, Lord, that it would remain in the past. That, Lord, you would Lord, cancel all the penalty of our history. And then instead, as we move forward, I pray, God, that we'd be fully yielded to you. That you would be our leader. That you would be our shepherd. That you would be the one that directs our steps. And that, Lord, that you would guard the next generation. So we lift up to you, Lord, the next generation kids and teenagers and young adults, knowing that the battle for the mind is real. And we declare right now, oh God, Lord, victory over their life. 
We pray against the darkness. We declare the blood of Jesus is stronger, that he has won the victory. And we ask in Jesus' name that, Lord, you would bring freedom to the hearts and the mind. We speak God's identity over them. We can speak God's purpose over them. We declare them to be beautiful in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you, oh God, that you are going to lead us. You're going to lead us. You're going to lead us. And Lord, we lift up to you our families, our parents. We pray, oh God, that you would put a hunger in the heart of parents to pray and take their responsibility serious that you'd send resource, that you'd send encouragement. It's a difficult hour to raise children, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We pray that you would rise up with courage in the hearts of parents to do their job with your help and that you would anoint. And Lord, we pray that you would let your kingdom come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven today. We yield to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.